Well, you know now our subject for this morning is Samson. Excuse me, moving the furniture. And um, the the reason that the reading is long is because I didn't know what to leave out. And um, I don't know about you, um, and I'm not saying this to flatter you, Margaret, but you really read that so well. And I, I was in the story. I don't know about you, but that's the power of God's word, isn't it? And I, I mean, I, my imagination was working, and I can just uh, see that story. And, you know, sometimes I think some of the problems with some of this, the Old Testament is we think it belongs, dare I say it, upstairs in Sunday school. And it's not for grown-ups. Well, that's not true at all. Um, and I hope you'll see that as we um, look at this, uh, this, this morning that um, the lessons of Samson are quite uh, something. So, I want us to think not so much about the life of Samson, which you can read in Judges 13 to 16, but more I, I want us to really think about the part towards the end of our reading which really dealt with the death of Samson. That's a cheerful way of looking at it, isn't it? We all know when we think of Samson, we think of a strong man, don't we? That's a, um, a, you know, a, what describes uh, Samson, is how we think of people who are strong. Isaiah tells us, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary they will walk and not be faint. Because that's a description, in a way, of a sort of spiritual strength, isn't it? But it's also, we can see physical strength there. It's a picture of God-given strength, power and endurance. And Samson fitted that description. He was a strong man. But sadly, like uh, Saul, who was to come later, he lost his way. He allowed himself to become distracted by his own desires and as a consequence lost that strength. He lost the spirit uh, of the Lord. So we're going to um, just do a a quick resume of his life. Samson, the strong man. First of all, we see he was born out of an impossible Situation. If you read Judges 13, his parents uh, were old, uh, but Samson nevertheless was born. He was set apart to serve his people from his birth. And then we have the um, demonstration of his strength. He tore the lion apart with his bare hands, killed 30 men single-handed, Killed a thousand men with a jawbone of an ass. You all know these things, don't you? These are the things that we relish. Those of us who have been Sunday school teachers, these are the things we relish with the boys' class. He carried away the gates of a city on his shoulders. Um, And uh, we're told a number of times that he led Israel for 20 years. He was a strong man and he was a leader. Those are the positive aspects of Samson's life. The scourge of the Philistines. If he was writing his CV, that's what he would have put. 
I look around some of you, I'm sure you've experienced in your workaday life, I certainly did, of experienced CVs. They're never negative, are they? In 2000 and something, I made a mistake. It never says that, does it? My previous employer was rather disappointed with my performance. It never says that, does it? It says I'm a positive, outgoing person. I'm good with people. I'm good without people. I work on my own initiative. And so on and so forth. They're wondrous things, CVs. I used to enjoy reading them, especially those that came, um, those who were just coming out of school or college, because they'd obviously been taught to complete the CV. And the words uh, negativity certainly didn't. They were very positive documents. That's good, isn't it? But um, so it. This is the part of Samson that lots of us remember, his demonstrations of his strength, the evidence of God's power within him that caused him to do just what he was meant to do, to be a real problem to the Philistines, the enemies of God's uh, people. But then also in our reading, we read about, really, his catastrophic failure. Samson the wrong man, or Samson the weak man. I use the word wrong because it's strong wrong, you see, it's play on words. But really we're, we're thinking here of his weaknesses, aren't we? We're told in Judges 14 that he married the wrong wife. He wanted to marry uh, someone and uh, his family said to him, well isn't that a woman in all of Israel you could marry? He said, no, that's the one I want. And if you read the story you find it causes all kinds of uh, uh, problems there and then um, in the absence of a wife he visited uh, a prostitute and finally of course he loved the wrong woman Delilah the, um, there's a progression here uh, Samson's uh, downfall and when we came to the story uh, that we read concerning the relationship between Samson and Delilah. Now it's really easy, isn't it? I sat here on a, a Sunday morning on comfortable chairs in a cosy, warm place to hear this story and think, Samson, and condemn his moral weakness. To feel quite good, you know, to sit up a little straighter because that doesn't describe any of us as we see his moral weakness and failure. But let me remind you of Paul's words when he wrote to the Corinthians. My father-in-law's words to me once. But um, that was before he was my father-in-law. But that's, that's by the by. But because of that, <laughs> but because of that, they stick in my mind. He writes in, in 1 Corinthians and he's, he's reminding them of the sins of Israel in the wilderness and the consequences. And then he says, these things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful you don't fall. Or in my father-in-law's words in the AV, take heed Ye that think he standeth, lest he fall. Kind of has a 
Think about it, doesn't it, really? Uh, more poetic, of, of course. But that's a salad, those are salutary words, aren't they? You know, it's easy to um, look at others and look at instances like this and think, well, that's not me. But each and every one of us has fallen short of God's standard. Thankfully, I, I mustn't stop there because in, Paul goes on to write that no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So in our uh, story, up to uh, this point, we have seen the um, failure and weakness of Samuel. We've seen him uh, fall from grace, as it were. In the reading, um, we see that Samuel tells Delilah that he was a Nazarite, that he'd been set apart from God. And, sorry? Samson, Samuel, I said, didn't I? <laughs> Do you know, sat at my desk this week, it's been happening all the time, I don't know why. Uh, there we are. Samson told Delilah that he was a Nazarite, that he'd been set apart, hence his long hair. If you uh, look at number six, it tells you about Nazarites. And some of the things they're not meant to do is drink wine. Well, Samson did that. Chapter 14. Not to have their hair cut, of course. Well, that happened to Samson. And not to have anything to do with a dead body. And if you read in um, chapter 14, uh, there's the incident of the carcass of the lion with the honey in it. So... You know, he wasn't doing very well, Samson. I have a book at home. This is a photocopy from one of the pages. um, Of daily readings uh, of Bible characters. It's really good. Written by Selwyn Hughes and someone else who I can't remember. But it's it's a lovely book and uh, it's quite helpful. And this is what he, he writes about Samson. The story of Samson is one of the most pathetic accounts... In the whole of God's word. One commentator says of him. The sight of Samson. Fighting himself. Putting his defunct forces into line. Only to find himself utterly beaten. And wholly ruined. Is a sight to stir the pity. Of God and men. Some believe the meaning of Samson's name. Sonny. Indicated that he had a bright and attractive temperament. A man of wit, charm, humour, faith and deep spiritual insight who could impress and control others by his disposition and brilliance. Unfortunately, though Samson could master others, he never learned how to master himself. This leads us to the conclusion that the main lesson to be learned from his life is that gifts and talents without self-discipline amount to very little. Samson controlled part of his nature, but not the whole. And uh, it says at the end, What good is it if we focus on outward victories, yet in the meantime allow the enemy to creep in and take the citadel? Well, all that I'm sure is true. But how sad. Is that really what Samson's life and death are about? I'm not sure. 
I think more significantly in his death anyway, there are lessons for us and great truths. Firstly, God clearly had a plan for Samson's life, as he has a plan for our lives. Well, I believe that. If you go back to chapter 14, um, where he asks his parents to arrange this marriage to a Philistine woman, this is wrong, but it's part of God's plan. Samson said to his father, get her for me. She's the right one for me. His parents did not know that this was from the Lord, who was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines, for at that time they were ruling over Israel. You see, God had a plan and Samson was part of it. So we need to be careful, don't we? It doesn't say that every uh, bad and wrong and sinful thing is part of God's plan. Not at all. But God uses things in a way that perhaps we don't understand. Samson lost his strength, not because his hair was cut, but because the Lord left him. In verse 20 we read, Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Sadly, he had taken for granted that God-given strength, and consequently, he lost it. As we said, God has a plan for our lives. He gives his Holy Spirit to enable and empower us, but he can only do that if we give space in our hearts and lives for him to work. If it's cluttered up with everything else, if it's cluttered up with sin, then there's no space for God. We're told in verse 22 that his hair began to grow back. His suffering and his humiliation were to continue when the Philistines decided that the once scourge of their nation should entertain them. I don't know how he did that, kind of world's strongest man thing, perhaps. Uh, I don't know. But here he has reached the lowest point, undoubtedly weakened, blinded, in pain, and now humiliated. What does Samson do? In that moment, he prays. In his prayer, he acknowledges the Lord, Sovereign Lord, he says, and asks him to renew his strength one more time. He doesn't pray to escape the situation. Lord, get me out of here. I prayed that a week or so, a few weeks ago, as we were following Google to find the airport uh, in Italy, which happened to take us to a town in the middle of some sort of festival. And as we tried to manoeuvre around the crowds, the parked cars, roads we had no knowledge of and so on, a silent prayer did go up, Lord, get me out of here, or get us out of here because Jill uh, was with me. But no, Samson didn't do that. He didn't say, change the situation. That wasn't his prayer. How often is that our prayer? Lord, change that. Lord, this is too difficult. This is too uncomfortable. Make it different. Do you remember um, 
brings to mind now as we're thinking of it, uh, Peter in Acts, when they began to be persecuted and Peter was released from prison, they came back to pray. And what did Peter pray? He didn't pray stop the persecution. He prayed for the power and the strength to deal with that. And so Samson here, because he's learnt. He's learnt in all his pain and suffering. He's learnt tremendous lessons. And so he, he acknowledges God as the source of his strength. And he wants to use it now to defeat the Philistines. To do what he was destined to do. And so we, we're told, aren't we, that as he reaches out and uh, touches those pillars and his prayer is answered and the temple of Dagon collapses around the countless Philistines. So he accomplishes more in his death than in his whole life. We might say he snatched victory from the jaws of defeat. And this is not insignificant. Because if you go on in the New Testament to Hebrews and that roll call of faith in Hebrews 11, Samson is named there. What greater demonstration of faith than at the hour of your end, as it were, to just pray to God to give you the strength to do what he would have you do. We should have been looking at a slide by now. but That's where we had got to. Carried away, so I forgot about the visual aids, but I'm not sure it, it matters too much. So here we see how God uses what we might view as a really hopeless situation. A man at his very end. How he uses weakness to demonstrate his strength and power. Now I've shared with you many times before, I know some of you, my favourite verses in 1 Corinthians 18 to 31. You can read it in your own time. But verse 25 says, For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. And in verse 27 it says, But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. If we are depending on our own uh, strength, we're set for failure. Of course, the ultimate demonstration of this is the cross, isn't it? I don't know if you thought of that as, as we um, have rehearsed this story of Samson together. But by his death, Samson gained a great victory, in that case over the Philistines. But the Lord himself, you know, came to a point where he allowed himself to be mocked, 
and uh, whipped and tortured and led to a cross. And there, where we might, the world might view the absolute example of weakness, we see God's power. When the Lord on the cross, you know, as he gave up his life, when he said, it is finished, it wasn't a whimper, was it? It was a cry, it was a shout. It wasn't about, oh well, this has all come to an end. It was a cry that the work that he had come to do had been finished and accomplished and that salvation was there for us as we put our trust in him. And that's what Paul was writing about when he writes to the Corinthians about the weak things of the world, shaming the strong, the weakness of God being stronger than human strength. It's seen there, isn't it? So, thank you for indulging me this morning in the Old Testament, because you know I love that. And I love these stories that, that paint pictures. But God speaks to us through them, doesn't he? But I want now to just um, switch to the New Testament. So if you have a Bible to hand, perhaps you could turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 and verse uh, 10 to 13. The heading in, in mine said, Thanks for their gifts. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I read the whole, uh, all those verses to, to put it in context, but I want us to think for a moment of that verse 13. That's um, three versions there. That's, uh, that's, that's why I did it like that. I think you find us the NIV, the authorised version, and the New Living uh, Translation. Because um, they put it in, in a slightly different way, but they say the same thing. So, I want us just to think of this for a moment. You, you can see the link here, can't you? The word... It's strength, you know, that's what we're talking about. Paul writes here with certainty, I can. He's not saying, well, in the right circumstances or possibly, but here is real faith and trust in the Lord. Secondly, he can do everything or all things. There are no limits. We're only limited by our lack of faith and vision. Now, when Paul writes to the Ephesians, of course, he makes it clear that we don't have, all have the same gifts. So he's not saying here, I can do whatever I want to do, whatever I choose or desire to do. No, what, what he's talking about is 
that what God asks of me, he will give me the strength to do. And we can think just very briefly, can't we, of what the Lord asks of us if we belong to him. To love others. Who watched Question Time on Thursday? Only me, I'm sad. (laughs) But you missed a treat because there was a conservative, doesn't matter what party you're from, there was a politician on there and he used the word love. Was that tremendous? He actually said, we need love. The questioner had asked a question about all the you know, conflict and strife that we seem to have engaged in ever since uh, June 2016, sadly. And so, as part of his answer, he concluded it by saying, frankly, we need love. And I thought that was tremendous. I thought perhaps that was worth staying up for. Um, and he is a candidate for the leadership, so I can't remember his name. But to love others. He's, he's, he's the emaciated looking one. Do you, do you know? Rory Stewart, thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know if you, I, I'm not sure now if you have to cut that bit out of the recording. I don't know, it's, it's not an endorsement. Um, but, you know, that's something that the Lord asks of us, isn't it? To love one another and to love others. To live holy lives and to witness to others. That's not exhaustive. But those things he asks us to do, sometimes they're difficult. And certainly they're impossible in our own strength. And in some parts of the world, they're difficult and dangerous. But it's great, isn't it, that we can turn to the Lord. He gives us the strength to do those things. And Paul certainly knew what he was talking about. If we read in the Acts and through his letters, we see that he endured hardships, suffering and persecution. Thirdly, through, uh, through Christ or, or through him. This isn't about self-reliance. This is the point, really, of the, the message. You see, Samson's failure was self-reliance. Samson's failure was living how Samson wanted to live. This is about a total dependency on the Lord in all aspects of our lives. I believe that what we do in God's service counts for nothing if it's done in our own strength. When writing again to the Corinthians, Paul talks about his thorn in the flesh. And he he writes... That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. We fail if we allow self to get in the way. Paul writes to the Philippians and he reminds them how he could boast more about his birth and education and position. He was an educated man, he was a Pharisee, He was a Roman citizen. He could boast about so many things. But he says, I consider them all to be rubbish. That's the word that's used. Rubbish or garbage. Depends what translation you get. But that's what he thinks thinks them to be. Compared to knowing Jesus. And of course, fourthly in our verse here, 
who gives me strength, strengthens me. This speaks of the continual work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Where do we go for the resources to live the way God wants us to live? To be salt and light in the world? The more we trust the Lord, the less we rely on ourselves. The closer we are to him, the further from this world's influences, then his Holy Spirit can equip us for the means to serve him, to show Jesus to others and fulfill God's plan for our lives. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's how I remember it. Um, but, you know, as I say, there are different ways of putting it. And, the, and what I believe this has taught us this morning, old into new, is to put our total faith and trust and reliance on God our Saviour, rather than trusting in self. That's been my purpose this morning, to encourage us all to rejoice that we're not left to deal with life alone, whatever that may consist of. We have a God and Saviour in whom we can trust and who gives us the strength and resources to live for him. I hope that encourages us in our faith. Perhaps for some for the first time to turn to the Lord who gave himself for you. For others of us perhaps to renew our strength, to learn again more to depend on him rather than upon ourselves. Just like a good TV program is a trailer for next week. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. Thinking on to Pentecost next Sunday, but we don't have to wait for special Sundays, do we? God wants to fill us here and now. So I'm going to um, conclude by way of a... uh, Benediction with some words from two Thessalonians. Two Thessalonians two verse fifteen. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Amen.